Have your Bibles. Go to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. Apparently I didn't print off enough outlines. So Brother Dustin's going to print some more off and he can, he can be in here in just a minute. Uh, uh, y'all must be real interested in tongues, I reckon. <laughs> you got some more? All right. If you, need, if you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a lesson over there on, on that back side there. All right. Some in the back. You seen him, Mr. Jones, right here in the front? All right. All right. Are you sure you can read? No? Okay. All right. That'll work. Everybody good in the balcony? Everybody good in the balcony? All right. All right. All right. Let's look in Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. How about we stay with the Bible? If we need to figure out what something is, we don't go by experience. Okay? We don't go by what someone said or what uh, Paul Paul always said or always believed. Uh, let's stay with the Bible. How many of y'all know Paul Paul's can be wrong? And grandmas can be wrong. Uh, and, and I know, I know. I know. You see where the problem arises? And, and you say, well, not my grandma. Well, what if my grandma is, is different than your grandma? Which one's right? The only authority, the only authority we have is God's word. It says, let God be true and every man a liar. If the man, your papa, mama, grandma, mima, says something different than this book, they're a liar. Are y'all with me? That's why you cannot base anything on feeling or experience. So, well, I know what I experienced. Well, that's irrelevant because your neighbor may not have had your same experience. So which one's right? Paul even said, excuse me, not Paul, Peter said this. He experienced the glory in Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, he said it was an incredible thing. He said, but there is a more sure word of prophecy. There, in other words, what he's saying, there's something more dependable and more trustworthy than my experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, and that is God's written word. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we're going to do that. We're just going to stay with the book and let it define uh, uh, what, what we're going to be studying tonight. And I promise you, it's going to be really, really good. All right? Acts chapter number 2 in verse number 1. Acts 2 verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the word tongues there is glossa, which means languages, languages, okay? So they begin to speak other languages. And it says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. There's a good underline that right there. Out of every nation under heaven. We'll come back to that. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own, what? His own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Then it begins to list the different nationalities and the different uh, places they had come from. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our what? Tongues, the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. The word there, when we use the word tongues, is as in we use it as a mother tongue. How many of y'all have heard that phrase? He's speaking in his mother tongue. What does that mean? That was a tongue he was born with and, and he grew up learning as a child, as a baby. That was his mother tongue. In other words, that's the, his mother language or his, his original natural language. Does that make sense? 
All right, now let's, let's, let's pray and we'll jump right into this thing. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. Lord, thank you for all these folks that are here tonight. They could be a hundred other places, but they have come to your house tonight to study and to learn and to grow and to, uh, Lord, to, to, to be edified and strengthened. And I pray that we'll be discipled tonight. I pray that you'll help us, Lord. Uh, this is a very interesting study. And God, we pray that you'll fill us with the Holy Spirit and guide every word that we say. I pray that you don't uh, allow us to say anything we shouldn't. And Lord, uh, don't let us forget anything we should. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and give you all the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And all God's people say it, amen. amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now let's bring us up to date. We see uh, Jesus has ascended up into heaven. Uh, we're, 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 we're seeing the birth of the church. It is fixing to explode and something very significant is fixing to happen. The disciples are praying. They're waiting on the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, uh, which Jesus said he was going to send. And they shouldn't uh, uh, start off on their commission until he comes. And, and now he's here. On this particular day, uh, the day of Pentecost, this feast, this celebration, this was a holiday. Uh, this was a time that Jewish men were re re uh, uh, required to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast and worship there in Jerusalem. Now, uh, because of this, it was crowded and there were people from everywhere, all over in, in what's called the diaspora or the dispersion of the Jews all over the world. When we look in just a moment, we, we're going to read and we saw, uh, and it gave all the list of the different places uh, uh, that they had come from. And I mean, if you look on a map, it goes all the way from modern day Iran through Iraq, all the way through the Mediterranean, all the way to Rome. In other words, all over the world, all over the world, Jews came back and they came back to Jerusalem to worship even proselytes, which were Gentile people who had proselyted to the Jewish religion, they were here in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, to be obedient and, and follow the Lord that way, excuse me, follow their uh, Judaism and be in Jerusalem at this time. So it is packed out. There's a ton of people here, and this is where we're at. If that makes sense, say amen. All right. Then the Holy Spirit came. God sent the Holy Spirit and he indwelled in the believers. There was 120 believers there who were waiting and they were praying for the, uh, 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 just, just, just waiting on God to send who he had promised to send. Now he's here. He indwells all of the believers. He comes and he indwells all of the believers. They receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in that moment, they are baptized into the body of Christ. They are immersed into the body of Christ. The church is born. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, at the moment of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they were also filled with the Spirit. Now, we, we, we studied that last week. As a matter of fact, last two weeks we studied that, so you should have a good understanding of what that means. It means controlled by the Spirit, influenced by the Spirit. Say that with me. They were. So, so we could say it this way. In this moment, in this moment, the Holy Spirit has baptized them into the body of Christ. They are, they are here and they have the Holy Spirit in them, dwelling in them. And now they are filled with the Holy Spirit or they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Say amen. And something incredible happens. Some, I mean, this is a, it is a mind-boggling thing that is confusing to the crowd that's here in Jerusalem. And we're going to see what that is. Let's look. Let's look in, in chapter number 2 as we begin to read. Verse number 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. When you get there, say amen. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all... They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So now the Holy Spirit's in them and he's influencing them. He's moving them. He's directing them. He's leading and guiding them and began to speak with other tongues. Remember what we said that word means? It's glossa. It means language. They begin to speak other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every what? 
out of every nation under heaven. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. Here, well, let's, let's read verse 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They were blown away. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans. All right, let's look at our notes. Number one, let's look at the experience of tongues. Let's let, let's let the Bible define what tongues uh, uh, truly was when it, when it took place, okay? Don't, don't, I don't want to ask you what you, you've heard or seen or experienced. What does the Bible say tongues was, okay? Number one, the experience of tongues. A, write this down. First, we see it was supernatural, it was supernatural. It was not, it was not something that man could, could make up or uh, produce on its own. It could not be manufactured. Look what it says in verse number 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues or other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So the Spirit of God was giving them the ability to do what they were doing. All right? Has everybody got that? Say amen. This was a spiritual, supernatural, miraculous act of God. All right? Now, B, it was supernatural, but it was also specific. Write that word down. It was also specific. There's no mystery here. Okay? There's no mystery here. There should not be any confusion whatsoever. There should not be any, any argument whatsoever. I mean, there is, just because of the day we're living in. Every time we teach on this, somebody leaves the church. Which is confusing to me because on the sign it says Temple Baptist Church. Are y'all with me? And, and every time we give verses, and every single time they say, well, I know what I experienced. Or I know such and such with no Bible. Alright? So, it's specific. It describes itself. Verse by verse, it tells you exactly what this experience was. Now, let's look at them. All right. First, first, let's look at verse number six. All right. It says in verse four that they begin to speak other tongues or other languages. The spirit gave them the ability to do that. Now, let's let's see what they are. Verse six. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his language. Y'all see that? In his own In other words, this is not an angelic language. This is not a heavenly language. This is not some mysterious gibberish that, that, that you have heard in modern day uh, tongue speaking. It was a real known human language. It was their own. In other words, in other words, if there was if there was some Jews there from Rome, guess what they heard them speaking? Which would be Italian. Rome is in Italy, right? Last time I checked, I'm right, right? Right? Okay? So wherever, wherever they came from, they heard them speak in the language that they were born in. Let me, let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Y'all got that funny look. Watch this. Every man heard them speak in his own language. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 8. And how hear we every man in our Wherein we were Does this make sense? All right. They're speaking, they're speaking a known language. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? They didn't learn it. God gave them the ability to speak a language they had not previously learned. Say, so how do you know that? Let's go. Look what it says. Look what it says in verse number. Look at what it says in verse number seven. Look what it says in verse number seven. We'll come back to this. All right. In verse number seven. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak what? 
Galileans. Now, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about what they thought of Galilean people. How many of y'all have ever heard of rednecks? <clears throat> How many of y'all have ever heard of hillbillies? You, you, you see these slain. Well, when, when you were called a Galilean, that's basically what they were saying. You're a hick. You're, you're an ignorant, unlearned hillbilly. You're not, you're not educated. Now look, look at, write this down. See, this experience of tongues was supernatural. It was specific. It was real human languages that they had not previously learned. It was significant. And let me show you what I mean. They could not believe that these were Galileans doing this. This was blowing their minds. This doesn't even make sense. Why? Watch this. They believed and they had the impression that the Galileans were ignorant, rude, uncivilized. We see in John 1, remember when they came to Nathaniel and said, hey, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus. Hey, well, he's from Nazareth. He, what did he say? Can any good thing come from which is in Galilee? So there ain't nothing good in Galilee, all right? The term Galilean was used as an expression of the deepest reproach and contempt. You'll see that in Mark 14 and John 7. Their dialect was proverbially barbarous and corrupt. They were regarded as an outlandish people, unacquainted with other nations and languages, and hence the amazement that they could address them in the refined languages of other people. They had never before heard the praises of God in a Gentile language before. They believed that Hebrew was God's language. Now they are hearing God's praises in Gentile languages and it was shocking to them. They couldn't believe it. These are just Galileans. These are just a bunch of hick hillbillies, uneducated. And by the way, later on through the book of Acts, you're going to find that they looked at the disciples as ignorant and... Unlearned men. They're Galileans. That's why they're saying, what is going on here? How is this even possible? How are these bunch of unlearned, ignorant, hick, hillbillies speaking these languages? Is everybody with me? Say amen. They're blown away. Man, they're speaking Italian and they're speaking this language and that language. They're speaking a language of, of a place they've never been before. They're speaking languages of where we were born. Now here's the thing. They had never heard the praises of God in a Gentile language. Because even in the synagogues, even even if they were in Rome or wherever they were, when they came to the synagogue to worship and and to learn the scriptures, it was always in either Hebrew or Aramaic. But now they're hearing it in a Gentile language. And this is blowing their minds. Say amen. Amen. Now let's think about it. Let's think about it. What if in a service one time, what if in a service one time, man, uh, uh, God just moved in this place and and you left out of here uh, uh, speaking Spanish. And some of y'all speaking Portugal. And some of y'all left speaking Russian. And you are all, are y'all with me? That's what it was. That's what it was. They were speaking the languages. And you remember that, that, that part I wanted you to underline? Remember that part I wanted you to underline? Look what it says. Verse 5. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews devout men, out of... Every say it again. Out of... Every nation. every nation under heaven. They were from everywhere. They were from everywhere. And the miracle of tongues is this. It was supernatural. It was specific. There's no confusion about this. There's no way... There's no way if you can speak and read English, there's no way you can leave here and think any different when you read chapter number two of what I'm telling you right now. They heard it in their own language. Galileans, ignorant people who were unlearned, uneducated people had the ability to speak in refined languages that they had never studied, never learned before. It was mind-blowing. How is this possible? And what's the point? That's the biggest thing. That is the most significant thing about this you need to understand is why did God do this? Why was this, this miracle, why did this take place? Because the purpose of it, 
is the most important. And I don't, I don't hear in modern day teaching, I don't hear this. I don't, I don't hear people talking about why God did this and what was the purpose of these tongues. What, did, what was the purpose? What was God trying to accomplish by doing this? Well, Paul tells us. Paul teaches us what that, what that purpose is. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Jews require a sign? The Jews require a sign. Now, it's right there, it's right there in your notes. I think, it's, I think it's chapter 1. Let me see. Yes, chapter 1, verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. Now, here's, here's what I want you to write down. Now, is everybody together where we're at right here? What's taking place? We have people, we have people who have not previously uh, learned language that are speaking languages. And, and, and <clears throat> these nations from all over the place, these people from all over these nations are hearing in their own mother tongue, in their own language that they were born in, the wonderful works of God. Are we all together there? Is that clear? There's no question about that, all right? And no confusion about that. Now let's find out what's the point. What was it for, okay? Number two, the explanation of tongues. The explanation of tongues. Now, now look at me for a minute. Look at me for a minute. I need y'all to, I need y'all to follow me right here, okay? I need y'all to stay with me, okay? Don't go get no popcorn, okay? This is one of them kind you got to pay attention. And, and, and don't let your mind wonder. If your mind starts wondering, pinch yourself because you got to stay focused. Some of y'all get mad when I go to a bunch of verses, but it's important that you get these verses to know what's fixing to happen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So that's going to mean you have to really pay attention, okay? All right? This is Bible study, Right? This is Bible study. So, so pay attention. Don't wonder. Stay with me, okay? We're going to go to the Old Testament and see where God used foreign languages to get the attention of his people, okay? Is everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this. First, first, let's look at the specific purpose, A, the specific purpose of tongues. And Paul gives us this in 1 Corinthians 14, 21. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament and, and prove what we're talking about. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, 21, in the law. When Paul says that, he's always referring to what? The Old Testament, the Old Testament. All right, y'all with me? Because at this point, they don't have a New Testament. Okay, so he's talking about the Old Testament. So let's write this. In the Old Testament, say that with me, in the, it is written, it is written with men of other tongues and other will I what speak unto this people now now that's talking about the Jews this people and I'll show you that here in a minute and yet and yet for all that will they not what hear me saith the Lord wherefore wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that but to them that now watch this watch this now let's go back to verse 21 with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people what people the Jews the Jews alright keep that in mind wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that all right, let's say this, not to Jews that believe, okay, put that in there because that's what we're talking about, not to Jews that believe, but to Jews that, what is Paul saying? That the gift, the supernatural sign of tongues was for the purpose of unbelieving Jews. It was for unbelieving Jews. Now, I'm going to explain it, but just, just nod your head if you're hearing what I'm saying. It is a sign to unbelieving Jews. How many of y'all know that there were Jews in Jerusalem that rejected the Messiah? God sent the Savior, God sent the Messiah to them to deliver them. He came into His own and His own... Received him not. So we say they 
rejected him. They were unbelievers. They did not believe him. So God gave them a... Watch this. Watch this. Let's go to the Old Testament now. I want you to flip in your Bible. I just put a little bit of Isaiah 28, 11, but I want to, I want to read a few more verses out of that, okay? So flip in your Bible to Isaiah 28. And we'll start in verse 5. Isaiah 28, verse 5. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Isaiah 28, verse 5. When you get there, say amen. Now, this is, this is Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is warning the nation of Israel of judgment to come. He's warning them of their sin, their disobedience, their wickedness, their rebellion against God. I mean, it's over and over and over. He's warning them, warning them, warning them, warning them, okay? Now, watch what it says in verse 5. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty under the residue of his people. And for a spirit of what? Judgment to him that sitteth in what? And for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they, watch this, but watch what they're doing. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are they out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are all out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables, tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. What is the prophet saying? This is, this is talking, it's in reference to the prophets and, and the priests and the, and the place of God. In other words, when God's looking at the nation of Israel, they are behaving in such a way that everything is filthy. Everything is wicked. God doesn't see purity. God doesn't see cleanliness. God doesn't see righteousness anywhere. And Isaiah is dropping the hammer. Saying, this is where y'all are. This is how you're behaving. This is how you're acting. And this is what God sees. Now watch their response. Watch their response. The next two verses. This is their response to him. Whom shall he teach knowledge? This is the Jewish people speaking of the prophet Isaiah. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand? Who do you think you're talking to? That's basically what they're saying. You think you're talking a bunch of babies, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast? You just keep repeating yourself. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. What they're doing is calling Isaiah's prophecy childish. Do you think we're a bunch of children? They're refusing the word and the warning of the prophet. Now watch God's response. Verse 11. For with the stammering lips and another, the word tongue means language, another language, will he speak to this people? You see the prophets over and over warning and warning and warning. And God says, okay, if you're not going to listen to my prophet. I'm going to send a people with a language you don't understand. And then they're going to speak to you. And guess what? 30 years later, the Babylonians came in. Nebuchadnezzar tore down the walls, killed countless number of Jews, destroyed Solomon's temple, and took them into captivity. Guess what? He spoke a language they didn't understand. So what is he saying? He's pronouncing judgment by talking about a language they did not know. A language, a Gentile language. Are y'all with me? Now keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. All right, let's look at the next one. Deuteronomy 28, verse 49. Look at your notes. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 28, 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far. From the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flyeth. A nation whose thou shalt not. What is Moses saying? If you don't get right, if you don't repent, if you stray away from God, then God is going to judge you by a nation of another. 
another language, another tongue. Okay? Now, look at the next one. So what is, what is God doing? What is God doing with Isaiah talking about a, 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 another tongue, speaking from a, a Gentile tongue? He's warning of judgment to come. What is Moses doing? He's predicting judgment for disobedience. All right, look at Jeremiah 5, 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far. O house of Israel, saith the Lord, it is a mighty nation, it is an ancient nation, a nation whose thou neither what they What's he doing again? Predicting, pronouncing judgment to come. Y'all with me? Look at the next one. Matthew 23. Jesus has spent three years trying to get the attention of the Jewish people. His, his people. The nation of Israel. He came... Unto his and his own. They mocked him. They belittled him. They criticized him. They rejected him. Are y'all with me? And it came time to a final offering of himself to them as the king. And they refused him. And this is the part. And by the way, when we, when we read about Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, if you study that word out, it's not like a little sniffle. I mean, Jesus is wailing. Jesus is, listen, he's wailing over what's fixing to take place in Jerusalem. And look what it says. Look what it says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that thou killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and ye would behold, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. What's he saying? Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. All through the Old Testament, God used God used the illustration of a foreign language, people with a language you don't understand. Gentile languages being spoken to announce judgment coming upon the people, the nation of Israel. So what is taking place here? There are several things, but the main thing that's taking place at Pentecost, the main thing, and I'm going to tell you a couple other things that took place that, that, that tongues was able to accomplish but the main thing is you have, you have a nation who have rejected their Messiah. You have a nation that is very religious. But they are, they are ignorantly religious. Paul says, Paul says that, that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. In other words, they were real religious. But they were more concerned about their religiosity and they're standing than they were the truth of the word of God. And they denied and rejected their Messiah so they could keep their standing in their religion. And because of that, they were all lost. Because of that, they were all wicked. Imagine, imagine thinking they're holy by killing an innocent man. Now, this is, this is, this is the, 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 the epitome of irony. They pay Judas to betray Jesus. And then when Judy, Judas is, is just riddled with guilt, he brings the money back and they say, we can't take that. That's blood money. That they paid. How much hypocrisy is dripping and so God, even after they denied their Messiah, even after they crucified their Messiah, 
God is warning them. He's given them an opportunity. They are speaking the wonderful works of God in a foreign Gentile language. And that should have been a sign to those unbelieving Jews. Isaiah should be ringing in their heads. Man, they should have thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've heard this before. Because the last time this took place, Jerusalem was destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar completely destroyed it, destroyed Solomon's temple and took everything. But guess what? It happens again. And Jesus knows it's going to happen again. And Jesus is weeping over it happening again. You see, Jesus is seeing there, and he's there, and he's seeing Jerusalem, and he's seeing the people, and he's seeing the children, and he's seeing the babies, and he's seeing the mothers, and he sees what's going to happen to them. Matter of fact, I watched a documentary yesterday on the siege of Jerusalem and how Titus came in, and, and how it was just an amazing thing. And all I could do as I was watching this take place and, and, and watching how they would come in uh, and, and, and batter down different walls and which ones and how they came in and how they finally just, just went in and slaughtered them. Josephus said there was over a million Jews that were killed because they refused to recognize the sign. You see, the sign wasn't for believers. The sign wasn't even for Gentiles. The sign was for unbelieving Jews. And they refused to see it. If you're with me, say amen. When this took place, God was warning them. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. All the unbelieving Jews that were in Jerusalem, they should have known. They should have known. But what they do? They just kept up what they did with Jesus. They begin to, they begin to, 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 to persecute the, the Christians. They begin to arrest the Christians. They begin to kill the Christians. And look what takes place. Tongues was for a sign to the unbelieving Jewish leaders of Jerusalem. You see, this sign was a warning that unless they turned back to God and received Christ, they would experience the what? Let's see if it happened. The gospel was preached to the Jews in Jerusalem in hated, watch this, in hated Gentile languages. They should have opened their eyes. They should immediately, immediately recognize the sign in Isaiah chapter 28. But sadly, they, and neither did they turn back to God. You see, the number of testing or probation is 40. And 40 years later, in 70 AD, Titus led his Roman army into Jerusalem, killing 1,100,000 Jews. Thousands were crucified. Many who once cried, crucify him, crucify him, were themselves crucified in their much-loved city. And the other Jews were scattered into every nation. They built secondary walls around Jerusalem, and if anybody tried to escape, they'd crucify him. Talking about Titus and the Romans. Starving them out. It was It was unbelievable. Judgment was coming. Jesus knew if they would not hear, if they would not receive, if they would not turn back to God. And he gave them a sign. Say, so why did he give them a sign? Because the Jews required a sign. Now think about this. How merciful is God? He said, okay, you want a sign? Let me give you one you're familiar with. They bragged and, and all about the Old Testament and the scriptures and they were God's people and they had God's word and they had God's law. So, okay, since that's the case, let me give you something you will recognize. Isaiah 28, 
and they begin to hear God speaking. What is God's word? It's God speaking. They heard God speaking in a Gentile language. And they should have automatically. But guess what? They refused. And because they refused, judgment came. Judgment came. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, let's look at some other things that let's look at some other things that we find. <clears throat> Not only do we see it had a specific purpose. What was the purpose? It was a sign. It was a sign, right? It was a sign of judgment to come, specifically. Judgment to come. That's the primary purpose. It accomplished some other things that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But anytime somebody asks you, why did God give a supernatural gift to people to be able to speak languages they had not previously learned, you tell them because God was trying to give a sign to the unbelieving Jews in Jerusalem, the Jewish religious leaders, that judgment was coming. And if they didn't turn back to God, judgment would come. That's what you tell people. Listen, it wasn't for evangelism. It wasn't for what modern day people say it was for. Paul said specifically that it was a sign to unbelieving Jews. Okay? So we see a specific purpose, then be a specific people. Verse 21 says, this people, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. And guys, here's another thing that we need to see. Part of the judgment, part of the judgment was not just the desecration of Jerusalem. Because see, the same thing that took place, the same thing that took place with Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament, Titus did in the New Testament. Titus tore it to the ground. He made it so desolate. He made it so desolate that it looked like there was nothing that was left there. Nothing. What did Jesus say? Your house is left. It looked like a plowed field. Jesus even said it. He said, look, y'all so proud of this temple, Herod's temple? He said, you're so proud of this temple? Let me tell you something. Not one stone will be left. Every single stone will be taken. They raised it. The, the, documentary, the documentary that I was watching about the siege of Jerusalem said when the walls finally came in, that the battle and the, and, and the, the Roman soldiers were, was in a crazed bloodlust that, that Titus couldn't even stop them. They were killing anybody they ran into, women, children. It didn't matter who they were, old, young, killing them all. And Jesus said, how often would I have just gathered you in? But now your house is left desolate. That's the judgment. But it was also this. I didn't put this in there, but I probably should have. At this point, God is setting aside Israel as a nation and establishing the church. All right? Now keep in mind, from the time of Abraham, from the time of Abraham, God says, I want you to be my people. You will be the apple of my eye. You will be my representative on earth. And the nation of Israel was supposed to be the representation and the representative of God in heaven and was supposed to point all the world to God, the one true God. It was through the nation of Israel that we got our scriptures. It was through the nation of Israel we got our Savior. Say amen. It was their job to point the whole world back to God and represent God and His Word and His holiness and all of these things. But they refused, they rebelled, they became wicked and disobedient. So God is going to judge them and set them aside. And that's when the church is established. So now, this will, this will help you understand a lot of stuff. Now God is no longer speaking to the world through the Jewish people because they have been set aside in judgment. Now there are people, there are people today, now don't get this, don't get this crazy. There are people today that try to teach that God's through with Israel. 
The church permanently took their place. Not so. Because God says in Romans that he's going to restore them. And they're going to be a kingdom again in the the millennial reign. Are y'all with me? Okay, so God is not through with Israel. But he has judged them and set them. Now, he's not speaking through the nation of Israel to the world. He's speaking to the world through the church. The body of Christ. That's made up of Jews and Gentiles alike. Say amen. Does this make sense? So the judgment was not just the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering and the murdering of the Jewish people. But it was the setting aside. God was no longer, he was no longer dealing with the nation of Israel as he did in the past. This was now a brand new thing. If you with me, say amen. amen. Now let's see what are some of the things that tongues accomplished. This, this miracle of languages that we see, all right? What, what, what do we see? What's the extent? <clears throat> First, as we just said, as we just explained in the point before, it was a sign of the approaching judgment of God. That was the first thing, primary thing, number one thing, the most important thing. The miraculous ability to speak languages that you have not previously learned. Speaking the word of God in a Gentile tongue was a sign of the approaching judgment of God. That's the primary reason. Number one reason. That's, that's it right there. But it also accomplished some things. Okay? B. It revealed or showed God's acceptance of the non-Jewish people which they despised. It revealed the acceptance of the non-Jewish people which they despised. All right. Let's do a little let's do a little study. All right. Everybody with me? All right. Can anybody see, can anybody see that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost? No, you can't. Show me. How how, how do you see that? Because I don't see the Holy Ghost in you. I know a little trick question. But come on, let's be realistic. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. A spirit is invisible. He's in me. You can't see me. You can't see the Holy Spirit in me. Y'all with me? Now watch. When God baptized the Jews in Acts chapter number 2, right? When he baptized the Jews into the body of Christ... They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were indwelled with the Holy Spirit, right? Can you see that? No, because it's on the... But could you see and experience them speaking a language they had never previously learned on the outside? Yes. It was so significant that they come from everywhere to check it out. Man, y'all got to check this out. There's a bunch of hillbilly Galileans over here and they're speaking languages. It's amazing. It was an, come on, it was an outward. You with me? It was on the outside. Now watch. Let me give you this. How many got, oh yeah, we got plenty of time. Now let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute. Let's take, let's take a pause. Pause. Let's go back a minute. Do y'all remember, y'all remember when, when uh, Jesus asked the disciples, said, whom do, whom do men say that we are? Who, who, who do who they think I am? They said, some say they are liars, some say John the Baptist, and one of the pro- And what did Peter say? No, we believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven, under, come on, under. And he's talking to Peter. Not all the rest of the disciples, he's talking to Peter. Under thee. I give the keys to the kingdom. 
What you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He said, in other words, he gave him the keys. Now watch this. Who was it that unlocked the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts chapter number 2? Peter did. That's right. He preached. Thousands of Jews got saved. Y'all with me? And they spoke in. There was an outward sign. All right? In Acts chapter number 8, a bunch of Samaritans got saved. Bunch of Samaritans got saved. And guess what happened? There was an outward sign. We believe the same thing that took place in Acts chapter 2 took place in Acts chapter 8. Then we see it again in Acts chapter number 10 with Cornelius. Now watch how this works. Now remember, remember the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's a transitional book. We are transitioning from the old to the new. Y'all with me? And, and see, it came to the Jew first, right? Came to the Jew first, Acts 2. The, the Jews got saved. Now, over here in Acts 10, over here in Acts 10, the, the Gentiles got saved. You know them hated people. You know them people that wasn't, wasn't of God, and they didn't, some of them, some Jews didn't even believe they had a soul. And there's no way God would take them. There was no way that they could be in the church. There's no way they could be a part of this. Uh-oh, what happens? Peter's giving them the gospel, and while Peter gives them the gospel, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Peter ain't even through with the sermon, and the Holy Ghost falls upon them, them Gentiles, and they begin to speak in tongues. They have the outward miraculous sign that the Jews had, and Peter says, whoop. They got what we got. You say, what is the point? Word got back. Word got back to the church in Jerusalem that Peter was hanging out with Gentiles. And instead of celebrating that they got saved, they got mad. Typical. And so Peter comes back to explain himself. I think this is in chapter 11. He said, what was I supposed to do? He says, because the same thing that happened to us in chapter 2 happened to them in chapter 10. Let me give you a verse. Let me, let me read it. Y'all looking at me funny again. <clears throat> Watch this, Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, that's Jews, that's Jews, which believed were what? Astonished. They couldn't believe it. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the... Now, how did they know that? How did they know they had the gift of the Holy Ghost? Because you can't... Oh! You can't see him. You can't see him. Look what it says. For, this is how they knew, for they heard them speak with or languages and magnify God. Are y'all with me? Now Peter's defending himself in Acts chapter 11 back in Jerusalem. He says, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Y'all watching? I don't hear you. Are you watching? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You know what they're saying? If they hadn't seen that outward sign of the inward Holy Spirit, they'd have never believed that God had accepted them too. And God used that to prove to them stubborn Jews in Jerusalem that we're all one now. It's not like it used to be. 
It's not Jew and Gentile. Gentiles don't have to become Jewish proselytes to know the one true God. You come to Jesus. And the only way they can know that is to see something on the outside. Does this make sense? So through that gift, it gave the ability to the Gentiles to be able to come into the body of Christ. Because that was a tough deal, guys. I mean, that was a major, major, major change in the way the Jews operated and the way God operated. They hated them. They despised Gentiles, and they sure despised Samaritans. Are y'all with me? But God used that and said, look, they got it. They got what we got. And the way they knew they got what we got is because of what happened on the outside. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Let's look at the third one quickly. <clears throat> See, it was a revelation of transition. Say that with me. It was a revelation of transition from the old to the new covenant. They were assigned to unbelieving Israel. They signified that God had begun a new work that encompassed the Gentiles. Do you remember what we read earlier in Acts chapter number 2, verse 5? And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation. Watch this, watch this. The Lord would now speak to all nations in all languages. Say that with me. The Lord would now speak to all in all Ain't that great? The barriers were down. So the gift of languages symbolized not only the curse of God on a disobedient nation, but also the blessing of God on the whole world. With the establishment of the church, a new day dawned for the people of God. God would speak in all languages. But once the period of transition was passed, the sign was no longer necessary. Now, I want, I want to tell you this, and I'm not, going to, I'm not going to get into an argument. Just look at me real quick. 59 seconds. I personally believe in, in cessation. In other words, that the, the, the miraculous gifts ceased. They were given to the apostolic age for the foundation of the church to get it going kind of like a booster shot to a baby. All right? I don't believe, I don't believe that tongues, the gift of tongues, the biblical gift of tongues is still in activity today. I don't. All right? But let's just say it is. Let's just say it is. All right? I'm not going to argue that point. But let's just say it is. If, if it is true biblical tongues... It is not some unintelligible gibberish. It is a real human language that you have not previously learned. So, if you say, I still believe they're real, that's fine if that's what you're going to do. Okay? But I got to ask you, I got to ask you, if you're doing that, what's it a sign of? What's it a sign of? Because Paul clearly, without question, says it's a sign. If you're practicing that, you got to tell me what it's a sign of. And have Bible to back it up. Does that make sense? It's only mentioned in three books of the Bible. Mark, Acts, and 1 Corinthians. And most people take their doctrine or teaching about tongues from 1 Corinthians, which blows my mind. Because 1 Corinthians was a scathing rebuke of how they were doing it wrong. Are y'all with me? And it was one of the earliest letters. Isn't it an amazing thing that in none of the rest of the epistles do you read about it? Or is it even spoken of? So, either way, either way, we know what it is. There's no question whatsoever Acts chapter number 2, without a doubt, clearly describes and teaches 
what true biblical tongues were. They were a real human language that they had not previously learned in the past. And all God's people say it. All right. Let's pray. We're over time. And we're going we're gonna to jump into the early church next week. It's going to be really, really good. All right? So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word.